You are listening to Personal Branding Exposed with Megan McNeil. Each episode, we'll explore different areas of personal branding and how you can build, maintain, and leverage off your own personal brand. Here's your host, Megan. Morning, everyone. Welcome to Personal Branding Exposed. And I have another awesome Megan with me today, Megan Jaworski. And we're going to be chatting all about her journey into School of Impact and all the amazing things that she does, including her podcast. Um, she has a load of resources for well, lots of different people. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to let her tell you the story. Megan, thank you so much for joining me. How are you today? Oh, I'm well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure. So I actually heard Megan on a podcast, oh, well, it must have been a good six, nine months ago now, and I reached out because I just thought that it was amazing, your story, and I thought it's definitely worth sharing again with other people that listen to this podcast as well. So Megan, I just want to start because um, obviously my podcast is all about personal branding and it's about your personal story as opposed to what is you actually do and the, the effects, etc. but like what led you to it. So I want to start all the way at the back, and I'm um, just imagine that you're in school you're 15 years old and school of impact is not even like on your mind at this point what did you think you were going to do when you grew up yeah it's a great question actually um 15 years old i didn't really know what i was going to do to be honest with you i wanted to help people but my parents said you don't make money helping people <laughs> and they they were a nurse and a teacher and they were you know they they wanted um, us kids to be more financially uh, settled and secure than what they were. But um, I thought I'd probably either be a social worker, a counsellor, a teacher, um, or a humanitarian aid worker. So something like that. But really, I just wanted to have fun when I was 15 and just socialise and help people. It's really funny though, because when you think back to when you were in school, nurse and teacher, well, they're they're jobs that we all understand. They're you know they're things that we're told about. Whereas the jobs that we do now, especially as entrepreneurs, they're nothing like what we ever thought we were going to do. I don't even know if our jobs existed. No, well, I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was, and when I was fifteen, this is showing my age. Um, it was. Oh, what? I was born in 1982. So it was like 1997. And so, you know, the world of social media wasn't even around then. I think the internet was just coming in, but it was really like only very few people had email probably back then. Yep. Um, also, I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. Um, so it wasn't even in my, um, you know, line of even thinking and all I knew was that I talked a lot and I like to help people and I thought surely there has to be a job out there where I can help people and talk a lot and what do you know I created it <laughs> it's so interesting though because even when I started my business I didn't identify as an entrepreneur entrepreneur sounded like a fancy word and I was like oh that's not me I'm just, just doing my thing over here so it's um it's a hard one to get your head around yeah for sure and, and well it wasn't until because I I ended up doing, becoming a teacher because it was safe. I was good with people. I was actually a really great teacher. And, um, and yeah, up until I was, I think I was 32 or something. And my friend told me, I was telling him that I didn't want to be a teacher anymore, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And he said, well, why don't you think about studying life coaching? And I'm like, that sounds so math. Like, come on, who, who has a life coach? Because I never heard of life coaching before. Yeah. And, and he goes, no, seriously, I think you'd make a great life coach. And then I looked into it. And I was like, oh, okay, this isn't so so bad. So, yeah, it is interesting the journey that we, we go on in life that um, lead us to where we are now. So what were you teaching when you first, for your first career? 
Yeah, so I was a primary school teacher for four years and then a high school teacher for three and a half years. So my degree was from prep to year 10. So um, I taught upper primary and junior secondary. Yeah. Now, is that where your passion for helping young children, because you actually went overseas and that's where the passion kind of sparked, wasn't it? Yeah. So when I was uh, studying teaching, I always wanted to go to Africa and make a difference. From the time I was about six years old, there was a famine in Ethiopia. And I said to my parents one day, I want to make a difference. And they were like, yeah, okay. You know, they both had very caring, nurturing professions. And so they just, they really encouraged that side of who I am. And so when I was 22, I went to Zambia and I was um, halfway through my uni degree at the time and I taught over there. And then I came back and then I was graduated and was teaching for a few years. And then I, I just had this strong impression that my husband was working as an accountant at, well, as an auditor at PricewaterhouseCoopers. And I just said to him, you know, we had um, both really stable careers, working our way up. And I said, I think we need to take a year off and volunteer overseas. It was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, it was part of like what I said to you when I said, if you want to marry me, don't expect a normal life. And you agreed. And this is kind of part of it. It was like, oh, okay. So um, we ended up going to India for a short time and we um, lived with children whose parents had leprosy and I helped set up school and he did some auditing of the not-for-profit and did the admin side and then we went to Zimbabwe and um, my friend that I met when I was 22 in in Zambia he um, we, we stayed in contact with him I met him at a bar it's the most bizarre story and I was like letting off steam 22 years old just seeing kids die of AIDS and I met this other Aussie guy and I'm like, hi, oh my gosh, you know, I was pretty kind of gone by that stage. And he was telling me what he was doing in um, Zimbabwe with orphans and stuff. And I was like, oh my goodness, I need your details. Wrote it down. Five years later, I still had this, his details on like a quatcha note, which is like their dollar. And I, I was, I contacted him and he's like, well, we've just housed these kids that were living on the streets. Do you want to come over and run a school um, summer program for them? Because I was a... Um, you know, we took off that year, my husband and I, and I said, sure. So we ended up in Zimbabwe and I was there because I thought I was going to just do some teaching for these kids that had just been housed and living on the streets. And one night, two weeks into this three month volunteer time there, um, I was sitting down and there was this uh, 11 year old boy and he was in my arms and he was telling me his life story about from the time he was six until the time he was uh, 10 years old, he was living on the streets. He ran away from home because he thought he was literally going to die from the abuse he received in his home. And and on the streets, he received the most horrendous abuse, you know, we can imagine. And as he was sharing in, in quite detail his story, tears were just streaming down my face. And I thought, what do you say to a child who has just experienced the worst horrors that a human being could ever experience in life? Like, I can't look at him and say, don't worry, it will be okay. because it's not okay and I don't know if it will be okay. So I said the only thing that came to my mind and I said, if you could have anything in this world, what would it be? And he just, he looked up at me with his big brown eyes and he said, Megan, all I want is to go to school. And that was a pivotal moment in my life where I knew that 
the words that come in my, out of my mouth next was literally going to shape the course of my life forever. Was I going to be like other volunteers that just kind of go over there, do a token gesture and then leave? Or was I going to do something sustainable that was really going to be impactful long-term um, into these children's lives? So I looked down at him and I said, what just came naturally out of me? And I just said, for as long as you need to go to school, you will go to school. And it kind of snowballed from that where I spoke to this local organization. We employed two teachers. I um, wrote a curriculum to last for three months. I tested the kids and put them in ability-based learning groups. I was 13, 12 of them, sorry. And then it just kind of went from there to now. We established a charity. We've raised uh, about half a million dollars. We've educated over 100 children. We've bought a school building over in Zimbabwe. We've employed, you know, more than 10 um, local people, and and yeah, we and we've had our first graduate from law school, a girl who graduated from law school, and now she's got a job in a law firm. And that's incredible. Had, yeah, and we've had our first graduate that went from prep, um, and she's finished you, you did the equivalent of year twelve over there, her A levels, and she's going to be studying teaching. And guess what she said when she was nine years old when I when she started in our school. And I've got a photo and I've got this on video that when I grow up I want to be a teacher, and now she's studying teaching. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. I love that. So you were meant to go traveling for a year. How long did you end up out there? Oh we tried to change plans because my husband and I just loved it, but we were there for three months, but we went back. Well, I went back every 12 to 18 months, but because yeah. I was teaching here, I was really limited with um, how long I could go for and how often. Um, yeah. So I've been about five times, but then I had children and I haven't been in five and a half, six years. I haven't been back because I had two kids really close together and then COVID happened. So yeah. we meant to go last year, but, uh, that couldn't um, be the case. So, yeah, um, we don't fully fund this, the program anymore. We have handed it over a lot to the local organisation. So we fund about a quarter to a third now. That's incredible. So, but yeah, but you've started something and obviously from you were running it or partially running it from Australia and managing yeah. it and the curriculum yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. That's yeah, I love that. I think that's incredible. And to have that many like, you know, 100 children doesn't sound a lot when you think of our schools have thousands of them in it. But that's 100 children that otherwise wouldn't have that education at all. That's a lawyer and a teacher, at least that we know of that wouldn't yeah. have you know, existed. Um, and that little boy now, he's now, um, unfortunately, due to, to COVID, all the schools have been closed for nearly 12 months, the night schools. So he's had to pause his education, but he's working full time at the baby's orphanage from the guy that I met when I was 22. Oh. It, and now he's working there full time and he's doing phenomenal. So he's one of the, the carers there for the little babies um, until night school opens. Then he's going to finish his O and A levels at night school. Um, so his stories turned out well too. What an amazing journey. I love that. Yeah. Tell me a bit more about what it is that you do in business because, um, I mean, that's amazing, but that, that has to be funded somehow. Um, so there's also a lot of fundraising and there's also working as well. Tell me a bit more about what it is that you actually do. 
Yeah, so I work with socially conscious female entrepreneurs who really want to make a positive difference in this world and I help them grow their business, make meaningful money, I help them scale and really connect to their mission and their purpose to make a bigger impact. So I call myself a business coach but with a holistic focus. Yep. So I truly believe that we can't thrive in business if they're, if we're not in alignment with our mindset or with how we're living our daily lives, with our habits, with our health, our well-being. So, yeah, I run a, a, a program called School of Impact for female business owners. And in that, we focus on our well-being, on our mindset and on business strategy. So we've got that three-tiered approach and that's how I approach all my, my, my coaching with my clients because I truly believe that when, when our life outside of our business is in alignment, then we thrive even more in business too. I think that's really important, especially the mindset piece because, mm -hmm. you know, we get into business, we're like, okay, who's your ideal client? Okay, tick, we know who that is or what are the marketing channels? You know, what budget do we have? What what are our goals? All that kind of stuff. And, you know, the, the stuff you can put down on paper, but it's what, stop, what actually stops you from being able to achieve any of that is you're going, oh, I don't know if I can do that. And it's that mindset. Yeah this and I think that when you start in your own business like the imposter syndrome like I, again I'd never heard of imposter syndrome until I started my business and now it yeah and now it's like oh it's that thing where you go oh not sure I'm the right person to do this and I, yeah I think that's a massive part of the business piece that goes so we just don't talk about it as much as we should. Yeah, I think um, because the women that I work with, their biggest fear isn't actually failure, it's success. And and so therefore the mindset component is huge because we can fall into self-sabotage loops and imposter syndrome. And and the reason why I say they, they're more likely to fear success because, well, am I worthy of this success I desire? And will I have to leave people behind? And then that triggers the money mindset. You know, what does that mean if I start making a lot of money and you know I want to make a positive difference are they mutually exclusive and so a lot of my work that I do is around mindset around you know sales our mindset around sales and our mindset around making money and that you know the more money people who care about this world the more money we make that that's how we make an impact in this world and so it's about shifting how we view certain things based on our childhood, based on our, you know, beliefs, mores, our culture, our um, environment that we grew up in, because we form the basis of our beliefs between the ages of zero to seven. And so, and so a lot of my work initially with clients when I'm working particularly one-on-one -on -one, is looking at, you know, if they're triggered with imposter syndrome or with fear of being judged or whatever it may be, it's saying, well, you know, what's the what's the underlying belief and what are you thinking around that? Because our thoughts create our beliefs. And when did you start to, when did you decide that this was your reality, was your truth? And generally speaking, it's zero to seven is when we can bring it back down. And because I'm um, NLP trained as well, I do a bit of NLP work and we can clear up and it's loving that inner child, that voice, you know, you're not good enough, you're not worthy, you, you know, who do you think you are? Can you really do this? What will people think? And it's about nurturing and loving 
that that voice which um, psychologists call out in a child in the process so that we can do those those launches you know that that sell that product increase our prices put ourselves out on social media so yeah mindset is 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 more than business strategy for sure in in the success of our business when you're talking about um, the women that you work with they're obviously ethical based as what you know that's that's the core of what you work with uh, do you find that there is a massive tie there between you know i want to be ethical but also making money and there's a conflict there yeah i think that there definitely can be a conflict there um and and there's also a lot of confusion around that too and so for sure like my the women that i coach they're they like one is a fashion designer that makes sustainable and ethical products but she wants to scale and grow so she can make more money so how does she do that without compromising the ethics of her of the the rag trade for example so there are definitely logistical um things as well as uh, mindset issues as well like can I charge people what um, which means only certain people can afford my services but what about everybody else you know what about all the people that can't and so it's about uh, realizing that you can charge more and work with people that can pay that and then channel that money that you're making into donating to not-for-profits that help the people that can't pay for your products or services or whatever it may be. So definitely there is mindset shifts needed around service and making money and that we can help, we can serve, we can really care about things. And in fact, I truly believe that 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 when, when we do create more wealth, wealth just amplifies what's already in your heart so i say to the women in school of impact if you don't give a shit about things that matter now you're not going to when you make more money and so if you only have a little bit but you give a little bit then money's just going to amplify that and how incredible will that be when we build up our businesses and make more so that then we can give more to causes that truly matter to us yeah, I firmly believe that as well. I think that, you know, there's um, a connotation sometimes about being rich, you know, it's bad people are rich when I don't really believe that at all. I think that, you know, we need money to, to actually have an impact and to have influence over things that actually matter to us. So the more money you can bring in personally, the more you can distribute to the things that are important to you. Yes, you can spend it all on yourself if you want. That's that's your yeah, choice. But your choice. <laughs> yeah, you do what you like with it. But, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, but it's certainly buys the things that make you happy yeah. and in a lot of cases and I think the more you have um and not even the more you have because that's not even true because sometimes the people with the least are the people that give the most you there's a, a massive sense of fulfillment in giving it's even look at Christmas how much yeah. more joy do you get from giving a Christmas present than you do actually from receiving that Christmas like receiving Christmas present and it's the same but amplified if you can actually have an impact on something that really matters to you so I, I love that connotation where it's yeah. your business although it's completely irrelevant and totally not related to the cause that you're passionate about it can still have an impact because no, exactly Yes, yeah, that's exactly right. So, um, and and just touching on 
on what you were you were saying before about giving is I, it creates an abundant mindset when we give. And so I think so often when we are so scared of giving when we don't have much, it's because we're in a state of scarcity and we think that we're not going to be able to earn more. We think our earning potential in our business is capped or we think, you know, that there's a limited amount of resources out there for us. And so when we give a little bit, it's opening ourselves up to receiving more too energetically. And I think that's what people don't realize like with the work that I've done in my charity you know my husband and I have donated large sums of money and yet we have never you know been destitute and um and you know we've been able to raise um we raised forty thousand dollars in one month with no major donor and and the reason why we did this um we could do that was because I truly believed in what we were doing and I truly believed that the money would come in but my husband and I also took action and we put in our own money too and and it came to us and I think that those principles are the same with running our business you know you've got to take action have faith you've got to um, you know have some kind of plan in place because we had a, a strategy for how we're going to raise that and we just put it out there energetically and we were open to receiving and it came and these principles apply to businesses what they do to not-for-profit as well yep. No, definitely. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you have faced since leaving the teaching world, which is nice and safe, you get your curriculum, you turn up and you teach kids and they smile and it's all good, to going out there on your own? What have some of the big challenges for you been? Yeah, so the first it was an identity shift. I was really actually embarrassed to even put it out there on social media that I was a coach. And I thought, what are people going to think? You know, it triggered all of that imposter syndrome, right? I'm a teacher. Why would people see me um, as a coach and stuff, even though I studied it and all the rest of it? Um, so it was a huge identity shift. But then um, my business grew quite quickly because um, I started doing education consulting and because of my teaching background in NLP, um, schools really loved that. So my business grew quickly and then I got pregnant with by first and I got terribly ill so I had to wrap everything up and I didn't work for three and a half years because I had two kids really close together and um, very challenging um, experience. Um, becoming a mum where I got postnatal anxiety and mild postnatal depression so that um, I had to move through that and as a process of healing through that I actually wrote my first program um, that I launched two and a half years ago when I went into my business now Megan Jaworski and um, and it was to help new mothers with their identity and and so it was like I could use my experience to help others and now I'm you know, working with female entrepreneurs, which I absolutely love, but it hasn't been easy the last two and a half years. So in the middle of last year, actually, I, I actually did a launch and not one person buy it. And it was during, in, it was in Melbourne. And it was when we were just about to go into our, the most harsh lockdown for three months. We obviously didn't know it would be three months at the time, but it was a really crazy time in the world. As we know, the middle of 2020, everyone was, everything was up in the air. My business was going down and I was, you know, looking at earning a few hundred dollars for the month and I was beside myself. And I was just like, how am I going to turn my business around? homeschooling like two little kids I had a three and a four year old um, at the time 
and my husband was working and literally all I had was two to three hours a day really early from 6am till 8am and then in the evenings and then I was with my kids all day during lockdown and I thought how am I going to turn it around you know what I'm just going to get a job and and I asked my husband can you ask because he worked for a not-for-profit I said can you ask if there's any positions in the education and training area if you're not for profit and and he already had spoken to people I was ready to give up on my dreams and then there was this little thing inside of me that said me again no your mission is so much greater than this setback come on you started a school in Africa like you you've done really challenging stuff you've healed from postnatal depression and anxiety this is not going to break you a pandemic is not going to break you you're stronger than this you know so I gave myself that pep talk and so I ended up turning my business around and within two months of from this point my lowest point in business to date within two months I was earning five figures a month and and then um, you know a few months later multiple five figures and it was truly um, remarkable um, the the process of how that happened which I'm happy to share briefly if if we have time now. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I don't think that that's talked about enough. We we talk to people and generally speaking, when we're listening to podcasts, we're always speaking to the success stories. You know, mm-hmm. I had a, you know, a six figure launch and, you know, it was so easy. I just did a master class and everybody swooped in, but we don't talk about the 10 that I did before that, you know, two people showed up for. Um, and nobody <laughs> bought. We just don't talk about that part. And yeah, I think yeah. that we lost paying on Facebook at a launch, which was big. <laughs> yeah, because that's the answer. All you need is Facebook ads. And that's the thing when you're an entrepreneur, because as soon as like you're labeled as an entrepreneur, the adverts you get and the shiny things that you need to I go know. after. And um, that's with my downfall, actually, because so so there's a lot of reasons why um, it, my business, that, that launch didn't work and it was where it was. But what helped me turn it around so quickly was, well, firstly, it was my mindset. Having a purpose greater than myself, which is the ripple effect of change. If I can help female entrepreneurs grow a business that they they love, that's making a difference in the world, then they make a bigger difference and it's, it's creating ripples. So I was just like, I held on to that. But then I got, and this is where strategy does come in and it's really important, I know, because you're a branding marketing person that you would really agree with what I'm about to say next. But um, it's really important to have a very clear and powerful message to attract the exact people you want to work with. And I did not have that in my launch because I didn't really know that I could even attract these kind of people. I know that sounds strange to say, but I thought I was being too specific, so therefore no one would want me. But the opposite is true. And you know, I know you know this, right? And so when I started to speak to a particular type of person and just narrow in on that and get really clear on the transformation I provide for them, that's when everything changed, literally. And that's how it went in two months um, from 400 to 17,000. Yeah, look, I, 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 every day I see this, it's so true. The more niche you are, the more success you will have, definitely. And I, I'm a big believer that you don't niche too early. I mean, we're in our 30s and this is us niching down. You've got to have lots of experiences and you've got to know what you do and don't like, who you do and don't like as well, who you're trying to attract and who you're really trying to deflect well, as well. That. And, and it's interesting because I actually said in a webinar uh, a few uh, it, was, it was my most successful one in, in March this year. And I actually said, you know, if you're looking for a coach who's going to be throwing money up in the air and sitting in, sitting in a bathtub full of money um, and, and, 
and you know going on private jets and showing that that's not me it's not because I'm against that I'm not triggered by that I want to make that much money that I could sit in a bath full of money but it's not for that purpose it's because yeah. I know what that money can do is is and so I want to attract women who align to that, who want to make that much money, but yes, to provide for their family, yes, for financial security, yes, to go on a beautiful family holiday and buy that cute outfit, of course. Um, but then it's about what it can do to make this world better. And I had two people sign up because they said, I really loved how you said who you're not going to work with. Yeah. Um, and I was scared saying that, like, you know, and I said, there's nothing wrong if for the, those coaches that do that, that I think is great. We need all different types of people, but this is who I'm for. Yeah, no, I, I think it makes a massive difference in anyone's business when you are super clear about who it is you work with and also who you don't work with. And I think a lot of people, they get very scared, especially early on, but especially if you're bringing in $400 a month at this point, if someone says to you, you know, this is, I want to sit in a bath full of money, you're probably like, oh, yep, yeah, okay, cool. Yep, in you come, I'll, I'll help you because you feel like you need to. And yeah. at the start of your business, like anyone who's listening to this and at the start of their business has got some clients that are not their ideal client, don't feel bad about it because these are actually great experiences because they will, if, if anything, they will hone you in to exactly who you do want to work with. Exactly. And now I work with incredible people. Like um, I work with fashion designers. They have their um, yoga meditation teachers, confident photographers, um, kinesiologists, you know, that they're all different industries because I niche on values, not on industry, which was also something nobody ever taught me. It was actually me doing the marketing seminar with Seth Godin that helped. I, I studied his thing and, and I love his uh, philosophy. But the, the other thing is, 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 so I said, have a mission greater than yourself, know who it is you're speaking to and the transformation you provide. And of course you have to take action even when you're feeling afraid. And and I'm not talking about feeling afraid as in I shouldn't be doing this and going against your intuition. It actually takes listening to your intuition more than anything else and taking action from there, even when you're afraid. And I was scared. Like I spent the last 12 months, I've been, <laughs> I've been scared every week, been putting myself out there. But that's how we grow um, is by getting out of our comfort zone. So it's really important that you take inspired, intentional action towards what you want as well. Yeah, some of the best advice that my mum ever gave me is dress for the job you want, not the job you have. And while that can be quite superficial in, in the sense of like, you know, wear a power suit when you walk into an office, I think yeah. it still has a lot of value when we talk about mm -hmm. social media and turning up, especially because we have online businesses, you know, on um, Instagram, and that's where you and I are connected you look like you're showing up, you look like you're confident, you look like you're walking the walk. And I think that that is really important. It's fine to have those vulnerable moments and they are important as well, but we don't have to put everything out there because you are trying to attract the right person. And I think with um, this, you know, authenticity, like the most overused word, um, I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with it. You've got to be authentic, if not you're acting. But it's it's also got a lot of people saying, well, we shouldn't have to wear makeup when we go online and we shouldn't have to do this and we shouldn't have to, do, you know, dress up and stuff. And it's like, well, you don't have to, but you get more confident when you start dressing the Absolutely. way that. Absolutely, yeah. And it's called, um, in NLP, it's called anchoring a state. Yeah. And so I can tell you now that I feel so much more confident dressing in a particular way um, 
going to like when I go to speak, for example, um, I love speaking yep. at events. I'm not going to wear my leggings or tracky dads, like because yep. I just don't feel. Even though I'm sure I could still get clients who would be attracted to that, but for me personally, I feel more confident in dressing differently. And it's so right. You dress as your future. You know, if you're aiming for seven figures, then start. You know, embodying. That, yep. that woman now so so if that means decluttering if that means getting a personal trainer if that means buying that power outfit and you don't have to spend a lot of money you could go to a, an, an op shop in a really expensive suburb and get a really good expensive outfit like you know um but start dressing as that seven multiple sevens multiple six whatever your goal is yeah embodying that because then you're going to start thinking like that Yes. Oh, yeah. Look, I, I completely agree with all of that. And I think, I mean, that's always stuck with me. Dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Because, yeah. you know, sometimes when you're in your early 20s and you just kind of roll out of bed and go to work and your mum looks at you and goes, come on, Megan, you want to, you know, <laughs> you're like, but I'm always a receptionist. Come on. And it's like, no, but that's not what you're always going to be. And it's, oh. that's great advice. It really is. Oh, and, it's great advice. Go, your mom. <laughs> I say I'm sitting here, you know, we're in, um, you know, life of COVID and work from home. And it's, you know, there's a lot of pajamas and tracky dacks at the bottom yeah. half and dressing up at the top half these days. But, you know, what matters <laughs> is dressing for the job I want. <laughs> exactly. No, I hear you, right? I'm wearing my slipper socks right now. So I can tell you I won't be wearing those when, when you see me out and about. But I'm at home, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I think it's great. I think there's there's so much value in working with people that align with you and take you to that next level because that's, um, I was working with a client yesterday and what she does, she's the money lady and we were talking about the roads. So basically she does roadmaps for people. Like they know exactly where they want to go, the destination, no idea which road to take and what the stumbling blocks are and whether there's a traffic jam or not. And that's what those businesses need. They're looking at wanting to IPO, etc. The kind of people that we're working with, they just want to get noticed. They just want to be able to actually take in five, six figures every month and be able to distribute yeah. that in ways that matter to them. So yeah. it's about working with the people that are going to take you to that next level as well. I think um, yeah. aligning yourself and oh, the biggest thing, having that group of people that are going to, that are on that journey with you as well. They'll never be your clients. You'll never make money from them. Yes. Not about that. It's about that support network. Because yes, and they challenge you. And and that's the thing is you also want your clients. I know people watching probably have different service or products based businesses, but you want you want people to keep challenging you so you keep um, having to get to that next level of you, you know, as well. And and that might mean um, you, you need to surround yourself with people who are going places. And that's why I started up School of Impact was to create this this environment, this this sisterhood, this team of women who are taking action every day. And we've got this gratitude challenge right now for this week in the group where every day we write what we're grateful for so that we can start to actually create more of that in our life. And um, and it's important to have people around you who are on the same journey because let's be honest, running your own business can be really lonely, especially if you're at the in the first few years and you don't have a, a, a team. Um, and so we need to sometimes uh, go into spaces where we can and, and pay for these spaces to get that support around us. 
and the motivation and you know we yeah. don't have KPIs you know I can say to you all oh, I want to make six figures this this year but nobody's actually going to be tapping me on the shoulder saying did you do it Megan it's it's all on me <laughs> so you need to have that accountability as well whatever that looks like it's not always monetary um, for no. it can be it, anything yeah. but you know what are your KPIs and who's holding you account to them as well I think it's oh yeah look Megan you and I are Megan sorry you are we're hey, on the same Megan. all good it's funny because I'm I'm Megan if you've got a British accent or American accent or anywhere in the world other than Australia pretty much <laughs> you'll answer to anything as long as it's not Meg <laughs> oh no one calls me Meg either yeah no, Meg reminds me of Meg the Witch. It was a, a book and a cartoon back home in the UK. And I'm just like, no, I don't I don't want to be Meg. Thank oh, you. Oh, I just don't feel like one. So that's why I wouldn't answer to it because I wouldn't associate by myself with a Meg. <laughs> the only person I ever let call me um call me Meg and didn't like say anything about it was my personal trainer. But that was more because I was worried he was gonna make me do more burpees or something. So I was like, you call me what you want. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I love it. That's hilarious. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Um, this has been really interesting. I'm going to put all of your links into the show notes for people who like to look at show notes. But for anyone who doesn't, can you just quickly tell everyone how they can find you? Sure. So you can go to meganjaworski.com um, or like that's my website or I'm active on Instagram at megajorski.xo that's also my handle for facebook as well so um and on linkedin i'm megan jaworski i'm not sure what else you need to know on linkedin to find me but um but yes i'm also um i'm getting active on linkedin now too so um (laughs) yeah i know right one of my clients is a linkedin expert and she said to me look i don't want to say anything but you really need to get more active on linkedin i'm like yeah i know (laughs) and it's so funny because like that's her job is to teach linkedin and i'm yeah (laughs) anyway sorry People are like, how did you find me? Because it wasn't on LinkedIn. So, you know, something's working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Well, it's in Instagram, right? My, my preferred platform at this stage. But um, yeah, so definitely. And, you know, send me send me a message. I'd love to hear from you either, you know, email or DM in Instagram or a message in LinkedIn. Um, if something about this really uh, connected with you, I'd love to hear from you. Of course, uh, obviously check out School of Impact podcast as well. That's the name oh, of your podcast. Yeah, yeah. So I run the School of Impact podcast where um, I do interviews and then I do solo episodes as well. And it's um, all about how we can make a, a bigger impact in this world. So I focus on, well, pretty much those three areas, three areas I spoke about before, mindset, um, well-being and business as well. So check love it out. All I love it. Thank you so much for your time and we will speak soon. Thank you so much, Megan. Speak soon. Thanks so much for listening to Personal Branding Exposed. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the others, then please listen to some more, but also share it with your friends and leave a review. I'm a pretty new podcast, so that means quite a lot for me and I really appreciate your kind words. Social media, if you have any feedback or you just want to just want to chat really send me a message i'm normally found on instagram or linkedin they're where i like to hang out but i do have facebook if that's your thing and also on the website you can get my details there and you can get in touch 
Thank you so much for getting this far. If you want a little bit more though, these episodes actually go out live every Tuesday at 8pm Western Standard Time here in Western Australia at 8pm, which if you're in Canada or America, that'll be first thing in the morning for you so you can uh, listen over your morning coffee and if you're in the UK, it'll be over your lunch break. I speak to these amazing people every single Tuesday and they just expose their personal brands to us. They tell us what makes them tick, what motivates them. We hear their stories of where they've come from and where they are now and how they got there. There's loads you can take from this. Lots of uh, motivation and inspiration. Like These people are awesome and they really niche down. They know what it is that they're doing. So there's so much to take away from them. I have got this amazing lineup of people coming up. So make sure it's in your diary. 8pm Western Standard Time and the podcast drops every Wednesday. Till next time.